Now let's turn today, God's Word, once more to 1 Peter chapter 2. Slowly we've been making our way through the verses, seeking to expound precious truths to our souls. First Peter chapter 2, and we're reading from verse 11. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they should behold Glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God. That with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness but as the servants of God. Honour all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honour the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it, if when you be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when you do well, and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body in the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. If ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Amen. We know that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this morning is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 18 through to 20. And my subject today is the Christian and the world 
of work. How are we to live and act as a Christian in the workplace? Now let's remember that the Apostle Peter is writing to a persecuted people, a people who are suffering fiery trials, who know hardship in the world in which they live. Never forget that they are real people facing real huge problems and dilemmas, all because of their love and loyalty to Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And here's Peter having reminded them of what we believe by way of the doctrine. And just think of the doctrine of salvation that he's presented. And he's now teaching and telling them how and why they ought to behave in the way that they do regarding their duty. They have a duty to live a holy life, a duty to be set apart unto God. And having reminded them of the privileges they enjoy as God's people, he then sets forth a series of truths about practical Christian living in this ungodly world. See, let's remember that true Christianity should impact in every aspect of our lives if we're truly born again. <coughs> it's one thing to be a, a big name or a big noise or a big shot at church on Sunday or just have a little name in church at Sunday. But what about Monday? Right through to Saturday? I've asked the question, do we swear at work? Do we lie and cheat? Do we gossip? Are we guilty of slander? Do we lose our temper? You see, Peter's teaching here that the true believer will be the same in the house of God on Sunday or in the home Monday to Saturday or in the workplace or in society. The true Christian doesn't wear religious masks depending on where he's at or who he's with. His profession of faith is real. It's suitable for every occasion. Suitable for every place. Now how do we live and act as Christians in the workplace? How do we view the workplace? Do, do we just look upon it as a necessary evil? Or maybe you think, oh well, I've got to go to work because I've got to support my wife and my children. I've got to go to work because I have to fund my lifestyle or fulfill my pleasures. I've got to save a bit, Reverend, and plan for my holidays. You see, whenever Peter thinks about the Christian in the workplace, he looks higher. He looks beyond this realm. And he looks to the eternal. He looks to God. You see, he informs his readers Here's how you behave in the workplace. You submit yourselves to your masters with due reverence and respect and you do it for the Lord's sake. You do it conscious of God. You do it with your eyes focused on Christ. Remembering who he is and what he's done. He's saying to them, here's what I expect of you. This is the type of behavior I'm calling for in the workplace. Having told them to abstain from fleshly lusts, 
having told them to have a good testimony in the world, even though it's hostile against you, and even though it slanders you as evildoers, having informed them to uh, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Remember we thought about that last week. He now moves on to the workplace. And he says to them, look at verse 18, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward, for this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Now as I thought about our text this morning, thought about our subject, there's three things I want to state before you. Notice first of all here the command to be submissive. Look at the words. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Now the word servants here actually means, and I'm quoting from the commentaries, a house servant. You see, in the Roman world, the Roman world was full of servants. And there was two kinds of servants. One was a, a bond slave. He was the absolute property of his master. He was non-paid. He could be treated badly. He had no rights. He could have lived and died in misery. And then there was another type. And they were known as house servants. And they were provided with food and clothing and lodging and maybe even wages as well. And I am convinced that Peter includes both types of servants in his address. He says to both the born slave and the house slave, be subject. Now, now what does that mean? It means, as he said in verse 13, submit yourselves. So the word subject means submit yourselves. It means to place yourself under. It means to, to be subordinate. You know, it's a synonym for the word obey. Servants, obey your masters. That's what he means. You see, he recognises the authority that God has instituted, not only as far as the government of the land is concerned, but even authority in the workplace. And this is to be the attitude that every slave, every household servant, ought to have toward their superiors. They are subordinate to them. They, they, they place themselves under their authority. They, they live to obey them. Notice the words, with all fear. And the word fear here means reverence or respect. And he wants the believers to remember that work, the world of work, is a divine institution. Where did the idea of working for a living ever come from? It was ordained of God. Right back in the Garden of Eden, when God made man the first gardener. 
It's ordained of God that we have superiors over us. It's part of God's will and plan for our lives. It's tied into the proper ordering of society. And yes, it's true that we're servants of God. And he mentions that in verse 16. We have been set free from the penalty and power of sin. We've been set free from servitude to the powers of darkness. We've been set free to serve God. Yes, that's our special privilege and position. We are the servants of God. But just remember, don't get too carried away, he's saying. Remember you're still the servants of men. Remember you're still under authority. Remember you have to work. And at work you will have problems. You won't have a smooth ride. You as believers, you will have a difficult time at work. Some masters are good and gentle. Others are forward. But here's the command that I have for you. Be submissive. See, these bond slaves and household slaves, they would have to face and perform some menial tasks. Maybe like scrubbing the toilet, if they had such a thing in that day. They might even been asked to do some impossible things. Maybe been asked to do things outside their terms of employment. Maybe even asked to do life-threatening things. Could face instant dismissal as a household servant if they didn't conform. They might even be faced with things contrary to the word of God. And this was their dilemma. How do we act and behave as Christians in the workplace? And Peter's saying here, Christian workers have to be submissive. They have to be in submission to those that they work for. That includes their employer. Listen to these few references. Over there in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 1, he said, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honour, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Listen to what we read in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5. He says, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. You see, the Christian, listen to me carefully, please, is to work faithfully and honestly. Think of Joseph in Egypt, young man, 17 years of age, sold as a slave, bought again in the land of Egypt by a man called Potiphar from the slave market. He's in a strange land. We were reading the scriptures that the Lord was with him and the Lord blessed him and blessed his master's house because of him. You see, in all that affliction, Joseph was faithful, he was honest, he was loyal and true. Even when he was lied against, even when he was languishing in prison, even when he was suffering their hardship, 
When the iron came into his soul, he remained faithful and loyal. It wasn't easy. See, you're, you're to work for other people as if you're working for the Lord. You do it unto him. You keep in mind you've got a heavenly master. And in light of that, you'll work faithfully and you'll work honestly. You'll use your time wisely. You'll be punctual. Because the Bible says redeem the time. Because the days are evil. You'll not be pulling a sickie. I read with some sort of wry smile um, just during the Commonwealth Games some lady and some firm had reported in that she was sick. I don't know whether she had the flu or what was wrong with her. And uh, what had actually happened was she went off to compete in the Commonwealth Games and her boss saw her on television. See, that type of thing is not to take place amongst the people of God. They're certainly not to defame the, the firm that they work for. They're not to disgrace them. They're not to badmouth them. There's to be no cheating. They're, they're not to lie. They're not to steal. They're not to be unfaithful. They're not to act in bad faith. You do the, your work to the best of your ability. You, you, you don't moan and complain. You're honest and upright. And if you're going to, to leave the workplace and move to another uh, firm... Then there's a way to do it. You don't do it in a underhand way. You're open and you're honest about your thoughts and your motives. A Christian is to work faithfully and honestly. A Christian is to work respectfully and, and honourably. I've already read to you from Timothy there, First uh, Timothy chapter six and verse one. Let me just read it again. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters. Worthy of all honour. Why? That the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. The word count here means to reckon. The word honour here means to value and esteem them. It speaks of dignity. It speaks of respect. Honouring your employer. That's the opposite of moaning. And murmuring. That's the opposite of complaining and criticism. You know, there's many today in the workplace and they're not happy with their wages. They're not happy with decisions that are made by management. They're not happen, happy if they're passed over for promotion. They're not happy with maybe company policies. It's a bad feeling. And there's a loss of respect and a loss of honour. And here's the word of God. The Bible that we claim to believe is infallible. And it says to employees, reckon in your mind that your employer is worthy of the utmost respect. You see, the child of God will take into his mind the word of God. He will not fall into this kind of thinking where there's murmuring and moaning and criticism and complaining and gossiping and slander. He will not be party to that. Let me illustrate. In Ruth 2 and 4, when, when Boaz came from Bethlehem and he came into the field that was his where his chief steward was overseeing the work that was going on of reaping, the minute he came into a field, he addressed the workers. 
Do you know what he said? He said, the Lord be with you. Isn't that tremendous? And you know what they answered? The Lord bless thee. And then Ruth 2 goes on to unfold how Boaz treated Ruth. Thinking about every aspect of her need at that time. That's the respect and honour that ought to be in force. As the Christian lives out his life in the workplace. The Christian is to work cheerfully and diligently. See there's days at work when, as you know, things will not go according to plan. There'll be problems. There'll be failures. Machines might break down. You've got a problem. Big problem. A, a small problem. But don't react in a way that's contrary to your testimony. Isn't this what Paul gave the advice to the Romans whenever he said there in Romans chapter 12 and in the um, verse um, 12 he, 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 he says there not slothful in business fearing the Lord reverent in spirit she would do it as heartily as unto the Lord isn't that what we read in Colossians 3 and whatsoever you do do it heartily as to the Lord not unto man you see the Christian should be the most cheerful worker in any place of employment the Christian should be the most diligent of all the workers in the firm he's happy and content not only that he's got a job but in that job he's cheerful and he works diligently. Notice, and I have to be quick here, notice if you look at Peter, the, the, the two types of masters. Some are good and gentle, others are froward. The word masters here literally means a despot. It's from the Greek word from which we get the word despot. And a despot, of course, is someone who's unlimited power and authority as a lord. And some lords, they'll be good and kind. They'll be gentle. They'll be considerate. Others, using the word froward, it means harsh, cruel, unscrupulous, crooked. And Peter's aware of many household servants and even bond slaves, the suffering that they have to endure at the hands of the masters. You think of the suffering of Hagar at the hands of Sarah. How the Lord told her to go back to her mistress and submit and be subjective to her. You as a Christian, maybe a young person here, you'll leave school, you'll leave university, you'll go into the workplace. And as you go into the workplace, remember if you're a child of God, you go in there as a Christian. And this is how you're to approach your work. I'm to do it faithfully and honestly as unto the Lord. I'm to do it respectfully and honourably. I'm to do it cheerfully and diligently. And even at the hands of ungodly men. When I'm under pressure. And I'm suffering their taunts and their stresses and strains. I remember that I'm there as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And I remember God's word and I take the command seriously. This is how I am to live and to obey the book. I must to be subject. 
with all fear. Notice secondly, the consideration that's to be supreme. Look at verse 19. This is something that has blessed my heart. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. You see, I want you to understand that the world of work is not divorced from the sacred life of a believer. That's why I said what he is in the house of God on a Sunday must be true of what he is Monday through to Saturday, whether in home life or in the work life or in school or in society. You see, Peter broadens it out here. No longer just does he take into his mind the household servant or the bond slave. Think of the words, if a man. He's thinking about the people of God. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. And I ask myself, what does that mean for conscience toward God? And of course we know that conscience can tell us what's right and wrong, can be an indicator of morality. But it's not actually the conscience that we possess that Peter is referring to. Conscience toward God means he's conscious of God. He's mindful of him. He has an awareness of God's presence. He he brings God into the picture. He has such a relationship with the Lord that he brings the Lord right into where he's at. It's not just about feeling right and wrong or feeling guilty or good. This man has a conscience of God. Such an awareness of him. That's central to how he lives. Because then he realizes, I'm here in the Lord's will. And surely that's the only safe and sure ground that we could stand on. He abides with God. And the Lord abides with him in that situation. And because he has such a consciousness of God, that he's going to endure grief, that he's going to suffer wrongfully and he'll do it with an eye to the Lord's glory. You may be in a very hard place. You may be facing trying situations. You might say, well, how can I get out of this? How can I get a different job? I would like to go somewhere else. (coughs) Do you know the Lord can give you grace even in the hardest place? Do you know with the consciousness of God you can help to get through even in the workplace without thinking I must look for a way to escape. You see, these Christians they refuse to join in idol worship with their masters. They refuse to add incense to the master's sacrifice. The master would often be angry. He would beat them. He would strike out his fist against them. He, He would hit them. And there was no union to complain to. There was no helpline to phone and say, look, I'm, I'm a, I want to remain anonymous, but I'm a battered employee here. There, there was no leadership in place. We could go to an officer and say, look, so-and-so has said this or so-and-so has done that. There was nothing. 
what the believers had was a consciousness of God. They brought the Lord into the situation. And that was the key to performing all their duties. They did it with singleness of heart. They focused and thought on God and on fearing him. Isn't that what Colossians 3, 20, 23 is all about? Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. That was the motive. That ought to be the driving force. It's, it's a respect and a reverence for God. It ought to lie behind all that we do. That's the principle that's supreme. That's exactly what the apostle is making reference to. That's the consideration that's supreme. What a difference such an attitude has. Living in light of this. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing this with a consciousness of him. Not for my gain or profit. Not even for the good and well-being of my employer. But I'm doing it for the Lord's glory. There is such a thing as, you see, submission to an earthly master. That's the principle. Here's how to do it. We're to do it in such a way we keep in mind our heavenly master. And because we live in light of him, and we live in submission to him, what a difference that makes. Isn't this what the apostle was referring to whenever he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse um, 24, Brethren, let every man wherein he is called, wherever you're called to work, therein abide with God. With the consciousness that the Lord is with me, and the Lord will strengthen me, and the Lord will help, and the Lord will give me grace. It's subject to his will. I'm here subject to the Lord's will. Every minister in the free church is, is in their station subject to the will of God. And they abide with God until God calls or moves them. Ministers should never be looking for ways of escape. Should never be running around six months here or a year here or two years in another place. And thinking, well, I've done a wee bit there. Where can I go now? He'll never be looking for a place for himself. Here's the consideration of the supreme. Notice lastly, the commendation is to be sensed. He says in verse 19, for this is thankworthy. And then he adds, for what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? And we all have faults. We all have sins. We all have little idiosyncrasies that pertain to our person. And when they're pointed out to us, we in this hard to take, have to take it patiently as unto the Lord. Certainly, if we're in the wrong. If the boss comes and says, you're late again, McLaughlin, you take it patiently. You don't start a row with your boss at the gate. Mm-hmm. Or if you've said something wrong, lost your temper, fabricated evidence or whatever, you hold up your hands and you, you acknowledge that you're guilty. And when you're exposed, then you take it patiently. He says, but if when you do well. Now, now you're living with the consciousness of God. You're living such a way that you want your testimony to glorify God. And when you suffer in that context and take it well, take it patiently. He said, this is acceptable with God. And the word acceptable 
literally means thankworthy. So thankworthy is twice. This is thankworthy. This is acceptable to God. Here's the commendation that's to be sensed. The Christian patiently endures the wrong done to him. He's persecuted. He's lied about. He's slandered. He's called an evildoer. He's hurt verbally. Physically abused. His household slaves and bond slaves physically abused in Roman times. Many of them no doubt reduced to tears. He says if you as a Christian suffer in that way and you're doing well and you take it patiently that's thankworthy and acceptable to God. Doesn't the Bible say in Matthew 25, 21 speaking of the servants of God well done good and faithful servant. Let's remember that the Lord is no respecter of persons. Let's keep in mind that this world's not our home, we're just a passing through. Let's keep in mind that the temporal will give way one day to the eternal. And as we keep in mind, we think of him. He's our pattern. We think of how Christ suffered wrongfully. He's the key. We can live this way because of what Christ did and accomplished for us in his death. All that Peter says, you see, as we'll come to understand, is undergirded by the person and work of Christ. He is the believer's great pattern. We're to imitate him. He lived a life of hardship. He was falsely accused, and yet he lived as the perfect servant, offering himself up to God as a once and for all sacrifice. And while his work was unique, and we can't imitate that work, There's an aspect where the servanthood of Christ ought to bear an important role for our lives. For Peter goes on to say, for, and the word for means because, even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. How did he react when he was treated wrongfully and badly? When he suffered? says who when he was reviled reviled not again somebody reviles us how do we react when he suffered he didn't say I'll get even I'll get you back I'll stab you in the back sometime it says he threatened not but committed himself to him that judges rightly brought the matter to the Lord and left it with him here's the commendation to be sensed the thankworthy and the acceptableness of such a life to God. Living in light of eternity. Awaiting the praise of well done. Good and faithful servant. Here's the Christian in the workplace. A command to be submissive. Consideration supreme. A commendation to be sensed. Ask yourself now. How do we live and act as Christians in the workplace? And if we live and act in the workplace this way, then apply it to the church. How do we live and act in church in relation to the Lord's work? He that winneth souls is wise. May the Lord bless these few thoughts to our hearts.